Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. Just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Paperbell. It's a new tool that powers your online coaching business. Paperbell handles your payments, your appointment scheduling, sending files to your clients, contract signing, and much more. You can get started with a free account at paperbell.com forward slash podcast. That's paperbell.com forward slash podcast. Let's get into the show. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name is Emma Doyle, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Sherry-Ann McLean, who is the founder and CEO of McLean Coaching and Consulting. She was actually born and raised in the beautiful island of Jamaica, which I don't think we've had anyone yet from Jamaica. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Sherry-Ann. Thank you so, so much, Emma, for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm looking forward to our conversation and I'm hoping that it's going to be real fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So without further ado, uh, let's get into the fun. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if you've been to Australia, so A, I want to know, and B, have you tried the Australian spread of Vegemite? I have never been to Australia. It's on my bucket list. Just so you know, <laughs> and I have not tried it before. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it is quite polarizing. So let me go with uh, let's let's go with pineapple on a pizza. Mm. Yes or no? Yes, I have had pineapple on a pizza. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because you answered that way, our follow up question is: Can you share with us a coaching moment that went well, and what might be a lesson or two? Absolutely. So I have to say, uh, one of the clients that I work with, I, I, I remember I started sessions with her and we were trying to find out, you know, um, she said that she was stuck. She wanted to grow. There were some things that she wanted to work on. And so we did some, you know, pre-assessment, we did some talk, we went through a book study. And one of the things that she um, mentioned, I asked her, what is one of the things that you think is causing me to be stuck? And she said she related an experience, a past work experience where she didn't do well at that job. And she, she, she gave that narrative to say that she failed. And I was like, Hmm, because of that experience, that narrative became the foundation of how she perceived life, how she looked at life. And I was like, okay, that is the big issue. So we had to really dissect that. So one of the activities I had her do was that, because I could see, I could see the potential in her. I could see that she had greatness. I could see that she could do big things. And so I wanted her to see that again. And so I had her do um, an activity with a mirror and I had her look in the mirror and I said, tell me what you see. I want you, I want you to tell me what you see, those positive things. And when she was able to do that, I'm talking about, you know, and I'm getting goosebumps. When she was able to do that, I am telling you, Emma, like, it was like her life shifted. And I said, yeah, that's who you are. It's not because that job didn't work out. It's not because that experience didn't work out. It's, it doesn't define who you are or it doesn't define where you're going. And so from that point, she had a total different outlook, total different perspective on how she approached life. She was more confident sending out job applications. She was more confident putting herself out there. And I said, 
that's what it's all about. We've all gone through process. We've all gone through seasons where we didn't do so great. And that is okay. We, we get up, we move forward because guess what? It doesn't define who we are and it definitely does not define where we're going. Mm. So the lesson for me from that is that as a coach, you have to be able to see the greatness, even though they're not able to see it in the moment. Because remember, they're in a hole and they're down in that dark hole and they're like down here and they can't see up here, but we're up here and we're able to see it. So it's for us to help them to see and lift them up and say, oh, there's a path there. There is a road there. Oh, I could, I have this choice. And then when they're able to do that, oh my gosh, it, the sky's the limit at that point. Mm. So many great lessons already. The mirror question, tell me what you see. So powerful. And, you know, I think as coaches, we, we so often uh, condition ourselves to see greatness in others. And I think it's also important that we ask that question of ourselves as a coach as well, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we, you know, we get caught up in life that we, we're so busy giving as well. Um, so what a great reminder for our coach audience listeners. There. I love that, Sherry. And what about on the flip side? Can you tell us a coaching moment that didn't go well? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we have many. <laughs> we have many moments. So a coaching moment. I came home. I was super tired. I contemplated, like, should I cancel the session or should I, you know, go ahead? Which in retrospect, I think I probably should have canceled. So when I was in the coaching session, I was so sleepy. So I wasn't really in tune with what they were saying. And I could tell that they knew that Sherian wasn't really here. And after I came up, I felt so horrible. I felt so bad. I was like, I should never have done that. I should have said, you know what? Let's find a new time. Let's meet and things like that. Mm. So the lesson from that is don't coach when you're tired. <laughs> Ensure you're well rested so that you can give that person that undivided attention so that you can listen to that person, um, you know, and so that they see that you're, you're really there and not thinking about the bed or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's awesome also as coaches to have strategies up your sleeve, isn't it? Might be yes. three minutes of mindfulness, mindfulness or uh, whatever it might be, but I call them energy top-ups. Mm. Know what yeah. you personally need to top up in case, you know, in some instances where you can't uh, necessarily get out of something. I think it's, you know, there's so many things we can do and to help our clients in that situation as well. I love that. Um, what about a sliding doors moment in your life? Could you share a time where you dramatically made a shift? Yes. So I came to this amazing country in 2016. So I came here and I started um, at, a at the company that I, I still work at called Devereaux. So I started there as a direct care staff. When I came here, no intentions of winning management. Nope, no way, Jose, not happening. I am good right here. So I did that for about six months, but the, the, growth, the growth bunny in me knew that I needed to happen to something else. <laughs> So I, I then started to explore other opportunities. So they were like case management and things like that. So I was like, hmm, this is something I think I could do. Not so much of a stretch, but, you know, I could do that. I could advocate, organize. That's up my sleeve. So I did that. When I did that, uh, I did that with uh, registered behavior technician work. So I used to work, work with like autistic kids, which I absolutely love that. So I did that as, as with, with case management. That program closed. And so I had to go into uh, full-time case management. Now, I want to pause here to say that sometimes when you're shifted somewhere else, 
we get anxious and we're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I'm so confused. I'm so worried. And we start to panic. But there's always someone there or something there to help you to transition. So I transitioned there and there was this guy, I, like I have the utmost respect for this guy. He said to me, he said, Sharon, I'm going to teach you how to be a program director. I said, I have no interest of being a program director. Why do you want to teach me that? He's like, well, you might never know. I mean, just so you know the skills, just so you know. And I didn't resist. At first I was like, I don't want to do this, but I did. And I went. And that moment helped me to propel into a program director role, into a community director role, and more recently, a community administrator role. So imagine if when that shift happened, because that was not that was not in my plan. I told you, like I got here, I'm like, yep, I'm a direct here, I am good here, I'm gonna stay here, I'm comfortable. But imagine if I had that shift and I had resistance and I'm like, I'm not doing this and I stayed there, I would be stuck. I would have missed out on some really big opportunities that I'm able to explore currently. So in thinking about, the, you know, that sliding doors that be open, you just, you just never know. You will never know until you're willing, until you're open. And when that opportunity comes, I am telling you, you will not regret it. Mm. The importance of mentors and having people in your corner, your cheerleaders, yes. Again, when you might not think that you can do it, someone's there going, well, just give it a go and be open. What a great, what a great message for all you growth bunnies out there. I love that. I love growth bunnies. <laughs> Never heard that expression before. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, what about in one to a maximum of three words? What do you think makes a great coach? So uh, my words are mixed with like phrases. <laughs> so I would say one, great listener. Two, the ability to see, and I made that point in my first uh, response when I was talking about that coaching experience, the ability to see greatness in others, even when they don't see it for themselves. And the third one, I'll definitely have to say the ability to guide them on their own path. So when I think about great listener, right, sometimes we get them, get it confused with hearing. So in Jamaica, we have a saying that it goes in one ear, it comes to the other. We're not really, we're not really, we don't say, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. But you're not really listening. And so with hearing, it's a little bit more passive and, you know, there's not much activity there. But with listening, it's more active. You have to process. And like I said, with that bad coaching experience, they'll know when you're not there. If we think about like listening, we think about like a radio station, right? So we're trying to find that perfect channel so we can like, hey, hip, going on, going on a road trip, riding down the road, all that fun stuff. But if we're not tuning right, we're going to hear those static. And if we don't hear the static, we're not really going to listen and understand the message. But imagine if it's really tuned, like it's smooth, we're, we're hearing, we're listening, it's all coming together, we're making sense. So that is a big part of that, listening. The other part is that being able, and I spoke about this before, being able to see their potential, even when they don't see it for themselves. Again, that whole, you know, being that whole analogy where they're there, they're not seeing what you're seeing. So you have to help them to see what you see so they can walk in their purpose, walk in the, 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 that fulfilling experience for them. And there's that part about guiding them on their own path. And sometimes as coaches, it, there, there's like a, a little line between being a coach and a mentor. Right. And so sometimes we tend to project 
our own you know beliefs our own values on them but we really need to understand what values they have what is true to them what is valuable to them and helping them walk on that path because we don't want it to at the end of the day when they get to the end of their journey say for example i do coaching um for like three months six months a year we don't want them to get to three months and they're like but i really didn't want to do this it's good but it's not me instead you want them to say this is me this is who i am this is what i really want to do so those three the listening great listener being able to see their potential, even when they don't see it for themselves and just being able to guide them on their own path. Mm. Okay, I'll give you listener potential and guidance. <laughs> and I go, no, I don't think guidance is a word. We're gonna have to brainstorm that, I think, Sherry. <laughs> um, because they are so three awesome, uh, awesome responses. And I couldn't agree more. I really, I really love that. Uh, the agenda and the difference between hearing and listening. Fantastic, thank you for sharing those beautiful qualities that all remind us, don't they? They just uh, remind us how important they are. In my new mm. book that's coming out, uh, actually, by the time we air this, my book will be out. Into the world. <laughs> so listening was the third top response of mm. 500 coaches. Wow. Uh, and wow. Uh, yeah, so you're about coach 600 and something. <laughs> All right, uh, on to our next question, which is where we ask you to ask us a question. So what sparks Sherry Ann's curiosity? So I've, I've been reflect one of the things I tend to reflect on because I, I love I love to learn. I'm a learner. Anything there's anytime there's a learning opportunity, Sherry Ann is right there in the front seat with her book, with her iPad, getting all the stuff. So one of the questions I love to ask is, what is it what advice would you give to yourself your younger self and I, I like to ask that question because for me there's so much lessons that can be learned from that there's so many things that i can take from that to apply because maybe i am here and i'm like i'm probably overthinking a couple of things and i'm probably like oh, worrying and all that stuff but then when i hear that that advice i'm like huh that's a good advice. That's something that I can use. That's something I can use to help myself grow and develop and be a better coach, be a better leader. And so that is my go-to question. What is the advice that you would give to your younger self? I think uh, we might finish the episode circling back to that question. I have a feeling that's where I want to go with this one. All right, time for me to go rogue. I can ask you anything I want. Um, let's talk about your background in psychology um developmental psychology I'm, I'm seeing here what's the difference between being a psychologist and a coach the both of them can go hand in hand because psychology is talking about like human behavior growth and things like that and i specifically shifted to developmental psychology clinical not my forte <laughs> i had soft to the clinicians um <laughs> but it's not my forte but the thing about psychology is that when you understand how the brain works, how we respond, the emotions, the um, the the how we interact, the communication, then that is helpful in the coaching process. So it, it, and I'm not saying that you need to have a psychology background to be a coach. 
let me make that very clear. But studying psychology, I've, I've seen how it had allowed me to really look at things differently. And I'm like, oh, so this is what's happening. This is why this person responds in this way. This is why this person um, might not respond in that way. And so it's a nice combination. Mm. Um, and, you know, at first I was like, oh, I wasn't sure I was gonna, how I was going to pair the two together. But I found ways to be able to pair them together in terms of like with communication, with just looking at bodily responses and things like that. And what do you see as maybe some of the top challenges of the people that you're coaching today? Um, yeah, what, what's coming up, do you think, especially as we navigate this, you know, this hybrid workplace and um, et cetera? What, what do you see as some of the top challenges in the people you're coaching? I definitely would have to say there's that doubt. So I'm seeing that doubt because the pandemic, it, it was still processing the pandemic, but a lot of them pre-pandemic, they were, they were motivated to do things. And then the pandemic hit. And we all know the pandemic caused us to slow down. And then in trying to pick ourselves up, there's a little, little element of doubt that's, that's just swimming around, around, hanging around, and just causes an individual to feel, can I really do this? How am I going to fit into this new world? How am I going to be able to function? Um, am I going to be able to leave a legacy? Am I going to be able to impact anyone? So there's that little, that wind of doubt that keeps coming up, that keeps coming up, that keeps coming up. And in, it's working with those individuals to say that, one, we all have doubts. There is nobody on this whole world that does not have doubt. Two, you can overcome doubt. You can't overcome doubt and not allow it to consume who you are and allow it to consume your vision, your goal. And so in getting them to understand that, they're able to move beyond that. So yes, the doubt is there, maybe in the back, but it's in the back. You're not in front of me right now, doubt. You're, you're in the back. I'm not listening to you. I'm stepping forward in that confidence that I know is already inside of me. So it's, it's that doubt I keep com coming up about, can I really do this? That's really, really important that it's almost, we acknowledge it also too, isn't it? You know, we don't, when we bring it to the surface or we bring it into our awareness or we say something out loud, it's it's just, it's not giving it credit, but it's actually just acknowledging that that's where you're at. Yeah. And one of my favorite sayings that I like to say in my coaching, if when somebody does bring up doubt or that anxiety is just to say, okay, in the past, yeah. from this moment forward, yeah. which is what you're talking about, that future-based way of, of thinking. Um, yes. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what do you think makes a great leader? So a great leader, and in reflecting in my journey, you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. And I say that because, like I said, in one of my current roles, I am a community administrator. And my role does not necessarily require me to be on the floor, like working with the individuals that we serve. However, if an opportunity comes up and I need to go there, I am not gonna hesitate. If there's an individual I need to maybe help with homework, maybe I need to help with showers, I am not going to step back. If there's a bathroom that needs to be cleaned, I'm going to clean it. It's not saying that, oh, I am the administrator. I don't do these things, I hands off. No, because one of the things I've learned over the years is that when the staff see that you're willing to step in, they will do anything for you. Mm -hmm. If you are not willing to step in and support them, 
They, the, you could, they're not looking at you. They're not willing to help. They want to see that. Listen, when things get messy, this person is not willing, is, is willing to step in. And it's not about titles anymore, but it's just really coming in and supporting them. So I would say that's one of the key things for me, not afraid to get your hands messy, coming in and, and being supportive. And where does that come from within you? Could you take me back a little bit to, you know, your younger self and growing up in Jamaica and um, what, what does your cultural background bring to your coaching today? Oh my gosh, so much, so much. So I grew up um, fortunately with both of my parents at home. I grew up with my siblings and I saw my parents serve. Sometimes I would be like, oh, mommy, oh, please <laughs> stop. <laughs> but I'm glad she did because for, for me, they were the first, uh, my first interactions with leadership. Like they would go above and beyond. At Christmas time, my mom would bake Christmas cakes and Jamaican Christmas cakes are really good. She would bake Christmas cakes. She would buy, um, we call them in Jamaica soft drinks. So like DNG soft drinks. And she would buy those and she would distribute to persons in the community. Mm. She would cook soup and soup. I love my soup. She would give it to people in the community. She's, she, 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 there was nothing for her that she felt like it was too much for her to give. And that's one of the things that stuck with me in terms of like with service. Like if someone needed to help, she would be on it. The same thing with my dad. My dad, someone needed help. My dad was there. My dad would go and fix this. My dad would go and fix that. And that's how we were brought up to, 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 to be very humble. And, and it doesn't matter where you go, what titles you have, you're humble. It doesn't change your background. It doesn't change how you were brought up. They brought us up in that way to say that you're always in a position to help. It doesn't have to come with money. It doesn't have to, because I mean, hey, we all know what's going on out there, but time, even a five minutes, a 10 minutes. And so I brought that up in, 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 in primary school where we had we had one situation, we had like the, the pipes at the back that needed to be cleaned. And I went to the principal and I said, listen, I want to organize that. I was like probably what, 11 years old. And we organized and we cleaned the pipes. We washed them, we scrubbed them and we did that. And, you know, it, 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 it transitioned in, 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 college, in sixth form. We have sixth form in Jamaica, that's probably college here. And I did the same thing, organized concerts. In college, when I went to university, I, there was a benefit concert that I organized for one of our students that had cancer. So it's, it's things like that. It's just the, the, the heart of service and understanding that, you know, the service, it, you have to be willing to serve. And my background is based in Christianity, right? And so, you know, the life of Jesus and all that stuff, service, that's the biggest thing, service. Mm -hmm. And you cannot go wrong when you have that service mentality. It ties into servant leadership. You have to be willing to serve. Mm. I'll never forget when one of my early mentors, uh, we were talking about coaching philosophy and he was uh, a Japanese sword fighting um, kendo coach mm. and he said to me you know Emma our number one role as a coach is to be in service to the sport mm. and when you come through that landscape of where you're completely in service to coaching or the sport of tennis or the sport of kendo mm. then all of a sudden all the ego stuff helps to to sort of get out of the way 
Yes. And then when you're just purely playing the ball or you're just in tune with the opponent and block everything else out and you're you're listening to the cues that you see, um, you know, amazing potential unlocks in people, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. Listen, yeah. listen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just really get into that place it's the selfless the selflessness mm. all that's it's just really get into that place it is so rewarding it's a great reminder for us coaches sometimes we get so caught up in uh the dialogue or results or yeah. being yeah. measured by and you yeah. sort of touched on it earlier about identity yeah. you know to not let certain situations define who you are Mm. Uh, do you have some coaching tools and techniques around that to help people with um, identity? Yes. So um, I typically will do, you know, like assessment. So I do like this and stuff like that. Because sometimes they're like, ah, I don't know. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, we'll work through it. So, we'll, we'll, and I like the disc assessment because it really, you know who you are and then you see how you work with other people. Because that's the other part of it, right? So yes, I know I have a dominant personality, you know, or I'm an influencer, but then how do you work with someone that has a dominant, right? And so it's so important to do that. So I'll do that assessment. Um, I typically recommend that before we start like the coaching process and see where they're at and said, okay, then let's see what we want to work on. Because we have to know who we are. We have to know who we are. If we don't know who we are, then we're going to be swayed by every single thing that comes in our way. Oh, yes, today I, I, you know, I want to do this. Today I want to do that. And it's not necessarily because you want to do it, but because you, there's, there's something like, like the fear of missing out. You want to do it because, oh, I don't want to be you know, missing out on anything, but you're not. What you're really missing out on is what you should be doing, is what your true potential is. And instead of taking the time to try to be someone else or try to fit in into someone else's definition, just be yourself and allow yourself to grow. Give yourself time and I guarantee you will get there. You mm. will get there. And a, a Scottish Buddhist monk once said to me that our number one goal in life is to just be ourselves. And then she said... <laughs> Which, which requires us to uh, form and then transform ourselves continuously. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. It is a process. It yeah. is a process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what about, do you have a favourite poet? I know you're into poetry. So do you have like a, a quote that you, you know, that really has impacted your, or a poet that has impacted the way that you coach? So I was big on poetry. Um, I, I used to, we did in high school, we studied like William Wadsworth. We studied Shakespeare. We studied um, Zora Neale Hurston. We studied uh, Robert Frost, you know, and oh my, I loved it. And so, you know, that a lot of those, I, I like to do like introspective stuff, like, okay, trying to understand, making the analogies and things like that. Um, but more recently I started to, you know, look a lot into like, you know, John Maxwell, because of course I'm a Maxwell certified leader, coach and speaker. And so one of the things, one of his quotes, he says that when you start investing in yourself, then others will take you seriously. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I try to get my clients to understand that, listen, you have to first believe in yourself and bet on yourself. Because you can't wait until someone comes and bet on you. Because they may, they may be never, they, they, they probably never will do that. You have to bet on yourself, believe in yourself, and will be willing to make that investment. 
when people start to see you do that, then they'll, they'll come and bet. But don't do it because you want people to bet on you. That's the other piece. Do it because you see the value in the growth and the development. Because it could be that you've done all this investment, you believe in yourself, bet on yourself, and people probably still won't bet on you. And pro- or it probably will take a longer time than it anticipated. Mm. So you can't build on that. Build on because this is something true to you. This is something you want to do. And this is something that you see the value in. Yeah. You heard it from Sherry Ann, everyone. Bet on yourself. I love that. I love that. So good. All right. It is time to uh, for us both to share uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? Sherry Ann, you can go first. I would, I'm thinking my younger self, I would say, and I'm thinking around like high school, going into college. I was so confused. I, there was so much going on at that time. Unfortunately, at that time I lost my mom and I was like, what am I doing right now? And so if I could look myself in the face at that time, I would tell myself, Sherian, the best is yet to come. Don't worry about anything. Things are going to get rough along the way. But I, I can tell you that what is ahead of you is even greater than what is happening right now. Mm. That is what I would tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's along the lines of what I was thinking. Uh, what came to mind is don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. And even don't sweat the big stuff. <laughs> uh, I think back and I, uh, you know, one thing that I would have loved to have told my my younger self is every time that I was curious, mm. it's okay to voice that curiosity. I like that. I because like I think that. I suppressed a lot of it because I didn't want to look stupid or say the wrong thing or, um, you know, feeling like, oh, if I say that, looks like I don't belong Whereas um, if I'm curious about something, then voice it because then you'll find your tribe. Mm. And voice it in a way where you can be curious and just ask questions, ask questions. I love that. Rather I than be curious and make statements, make statements about what you think. Make you know, See if you can flip that statement into a question, question. so that you're gaining diverse opinions and you're, you're broadening your curiosity on topics and just mm. okay to even if you think it sounds stupid or it is not what other people want to hear mm. I love that I love that Emma I was talking to someone the other day about asking questions and I said and I had similar experience growing up with you so I'm like yes 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 that's all I was I didn't want to ask questions and I think one of the things I try to do is trying to shift the narrative of asking questions because a lot of times we don't want to ask questions because again like you said we don't want to look stupid and we're like oh i'll just keep it here but i want to shift the narrative to say that asking questions mean that you're invested in your growth and development and it means that you are willing to push yourself forward so you know instead of like we have that thought like, oh i don't want to look this way or i don't want to sound this way it's your building your confidence to say that I want to learn more. So I want to ask questions. If it's a question that people think that's a stupid question, then that's okay. That's them. I am in this, you know, like the, that growth bunny is jumping. <laughs> so I am ready to learn. So I love that point. And, you know, if, if, if we can really shift our perspective on that, oh my gosh, like it, it would be bizarre. Bet on your growth bunny, shall we say, to, to <laughs> yes. 
round off this episode. Um, do you have one one final uh, coaching uh, gold nugget piece of wisdom that you're just dying to leave with the podcast for us? Absolutely. My nugget is don't be afraid to step out. That's it. Do not be afraid to step out. Step out? Yes. Step right. out. Don't be afraid. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. There are going to be good days and bad days. But at the end of the day, it's going to be worth it. Step out into your true self. Look yourself in the mirror. So many pearls of wisdom on this episode, Cherry Ann. It's been a delight to interview you. And uh, thank you for making me a better coach. Thank you so much. It was awesome hanging out with you today. <laughs> I had fun, so I can put that as <laughs> That was our goal at the start. And, uh, and we hope our listeners did too. So thank you for listening. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Paperbell, an online tool to power your coaching business.